morning. I'm very honored to be here to teach, to declare the word. And I'm, uh, if you don't know me, I love prayer. I, I absolutely love prayer. I know not many people can honestly say that. <laughs> but I love prayer. I love coming early and praying. I love prayer meetings. I love and uh, I also love the Lord's Prayer because it's such a powerful prayer. It, it seems simple, and it is. It's, what, six lines. It seems like it's this tiny little thing, and yet if you dig into it, it's so deep, and so much is going on. And, and today, we're looking at the second verse. So it's, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's... That's the text. The whole text and nothing but the text. Right? It's short. And yet, I want us to realize this particular passage is so incredible. It's talking about the way things were. It's talking about the way things are. It's talking about the way things should be. It's talking about what we should want. It's talking about how we should spend our time. And I just, uh, I'm amazed at, at God's word. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? How many people have prayed the Lord's Prayer a thousand times in their life? How many people know the whole thing by heart, right? And yet, I want you to open your hearts today to realize this is something so much more. The first place I want to go is the beginning, the very beginning of everything. The theologian John Piper says that before God created the earth, he and Jesus in the Spirit were living together in this loving community. And they loved it so much, they said to each other, we need to share this. So what did they do? They said, let's create a universe in which people can know our love and experience our love and join us in this awesome community. So he, God, and Jesus, and the Spirit, they speak words into the nothingness. And because of the power of their words alone, they create everything that exists. God speaks, and everything around just says, yes! I will obey. I will do what God says. The waters will come together. The land will be separated. Everything obeys God. And if you remember the Genesis story, what does he say after each day? Anybody know? It is good. After every day, God says, it is good. And then after the sixth day, he actually says, it is very good. And we need to see that in this, what God is saying is, he looks at the universe. Everything is exactly the way he designed it. In Hebrew thought, they have a word called shalom, which we translate peace. But shalom in the Hebrew mind was a state of being where everything is as it should be. So God speaks the universe into being, creates man and woman and after all that, he sits back, he looks at the entire universe and says, this is very 
good. I like this. This is what I wanted. And that lasts not very long. We don't know exactly how long it lasted, but at some point, Adam and Eve chose to disobey. They chose to turn away. And so this perfect universe in which everything is exactly the way God wants it is now screwed up. Paul actually says in Romans 5 that Adam and Eve sinned because they were the stewards of earth. Adam and Eve's sin messed up everything. Everything in the universe is now messed up because we couldn't stay with God, which is sobering when you think about it. And he spends, Paul does several chapters just listing how bad things are because of the fall. But this is what I want you to catch in this. From the moment the fall took place, everything God has been doing is to restore that peace. Everything. There is nothing that has happened in human history that isn't part of God's effort to bring it all back to the place where it is very good. And the reason I wanted to point that out is this passage that we're looking at it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's saying, there was a time, everything was perfect. We're not in that time. <laughs> We're not there, okay? We are in the time where things are still messed up. And even though Jesus has come, and even though we have all these wonderful things like the Bible and the Holy Spirit, things are still messed up. And what is God doing in the messed up universe? He's trying to bring it all back together. He's trying to reconcile everything. He's trying to bring it back to that place where it was. And one of the ways we can join him in that is intercessory prayer. Because the heart of intercessory prayer says things are messed up, but we believe in a God who can fix it. So we're going to come, we're going to pray, we're going to seek his will. As I was preparing for this sermon, I discovered in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the words we use or translate for intercession both imply meeting someone. In the Hebrew, the word that is, is the root of intercession says to encounter, to meet, to reach, to entreat, and make intercession. And then what I love is in the Greek, it's the same idea. In the Greek, it's to light upon a person or thing or to meet them. It's to go out to meet a person for conversation, consultation, or supplication. Is that how you define prayer? I'm going out to meet God, to make my supplications, and to talk to him. That's prayer. In a nutshell, that's prayer. So God himself is working to reconcile everything. Jesus, it's said in Hebrews and in other places, all he's doing right now, he sits at the hand of God the Father and he intercedes for us. Okay? So intercessory prayer becomes this amazing thing where God's doing it. We're saying, I'm going to align myself with that and I'm going to pray what his will is. I'm going to pray what he wants. And somehow that actually works. Somehow by the Spirit 
that intercessory prayer, like we said, every prayer changes the world, right? This is what's happening. So, uh, there's a pastor, he lived in the 1800s, E.M. Bounds. He wrote probably 10 or 12 books just on prayer. They're not short. They're not, you know, huge theological treatises. But all of the books that we have by him are all about prayer. He loved prayer. He wrote about it. He described prayer this way. He says, the very essence of prayer is a spirit of devotion. Prayer is coming to the one who loves you and offering him yourself in love to seek what he wants and to speak it into the world. Andrew Murray wrote a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. He says it this way. He says, intercession is where prayer is the royal power of a child of God exercised in heaven on behalf of others and the kingdom. That's what prayer is. Okay? So we are in this time where intercession is necessary. It's something God himself is doing. And this verse, what does it say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the beginning, when God said something, the universe said yes. Now, he has people who can look at the universe and say it isn't there, but we want it to be so we can give our yes to God. And that's what this passage is telling us about. I want to focus a little bit right now on one of the main things God is doing. I said he's trying to reconcile things. Someone in prayer before service quoted the passage in Corinthians about how we're ambassadors for God. And I just thought that was so cool because one of the main passages I think that should inform our prayer and should inform our coming to him is this. This is 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God is basically saying, look at my people. When they're loving me, when they want what I want, when they're doing my will, when they're submitting, that's what I'm like. That's what the world is called to. They're not called to a list of rules. They're not called to do's and don'ts. They're called to a person, a person who loves them, a person who wants what's best for them, a person who seeks that reconciliation. There's this wonderful passage in Ezekiel. When I was growing up, I always viewed the Old Testament as the wrath part of God and the New Testament as the mercy. But then I saw this passage in Ezekiel. God says through the prophet have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord. 
and not rather that he should turn from his way and live. And then further in the same one, and that's Ezekiel 18, if you want to look at that passage. He says, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. So when we come into intercession, we come with that attitude that says, God isn't going to rest until every single heart is back. And he wants us to pray with that same mentality. We're going to pray for every single person until every single person comes back into that peace that God created. In continuing this theme, the prophet Hosea, he's called to love. Some people believe uh, is a prostitute. God specifically says, go marry this prostitute and have children with her. The first child is named, and what a name to live with, no mercy. Then he has a son. He calls his son, not my people. So this prophet, every day of his life, when he calls his children to them, he's seeing God's message of no mercy and not my people. But then there's this amazing thing where Peter, in 1 Peter, quotes that and says, guess what? Now everyone who wasn't mine, they're mine. Everyone who was not my people, they're going to be mine. Everyone who has not seen mercy, guess what? Now they're going to see mercy. And you know how they're going to see it? They're going to see it through us. They're going to see it through our efforts in prayer. They're going to see it through our heart lining up with God. So we're supposed to come. We're supposed to pray. And we're supposed to pray for the kingdom. What's, when you hear the word kingdom, what do we think of? I know it's difficult because we don't live in a monarchy. We haven't lived in a monarchy for 350 years. So kingdom words are kind of abstract to us, I think. But I found this definition, and I found it on Wikipedia of all places. Um, It says that the kingdom is the spiritual reign and authority of God. It's that simple. It's the place where God is the one who makes the decisions. God says what's right and wrong. God calls his people to come with, come to him in intercession and pray that his will would be done. Okay? And what I love is the Bible tells us to do that, but then it doesn't leave us saying, well, what does that mean? Because I think most of us, when we come to that kind of intercessory prayer, we're like, well, what, what are we praying? What are we looking for? Well, we're looking for a place where the kingdom is ruling every heart, where every heart knows God, and where every heart follows God's will. Okay? And I just want to share a few passages because I think these passages encapsulate exactly this attitude. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. This is what the Lord says. The wise man is not to boast in his wisdom. The strong man is not to boast in his strength. And the rich man is not to boast in his riches. Rather, let the one who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, for I am the Lord, who acts with gracious love, justice, 
and righteousness in the land. So when we're praying for the kingdom, we're saying, what do we want? We want love, grace, righteousness, justice. And what I love is God saying, hey, that's what I want too. That's what I'm all about. When we go into the Old Testament, there's so much beauty. There is a point at which Moses is talking to God and he says, what is the name that I should tell Israel is your name? How, how should I call you? Right? And the Lord's response is, I am the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Okay? That's his name. His name is actually his character. Right? Slow to anger, abounding in love. And, and I love the Hebrew word for love. is chesed. And it just means this love that perseveres, continues, doesn't change, doesn't wane. It just has this eternal aspect to it. And, and that's God. That's his name. That's what he calls himself. The God who is chesed. And he's calling us to be a people who love him with that same kind of love and who love the world around us with that same kind of love. In Deuteronomy 10, he says through Moses, he says, Israel, what does the Lord your God desire from you? And of course, desire is what his will is, right? We think of will as what he wants, but it's also what he likes, what he takes pleasure in, what is important to him, what he values. What does he require of you? Only this, fear him Walk in all his ways, love him, serve him with all your heart and in all your life, and observe his commands and statutes that I give to you this day for your good. So just before the Israelites receive the Ten Commandments on the tablets, God is saying, all you got to do is listen and do what I say, and it'll be good for you. Micah 6, 6 through 8, this one's familiar to some probably. He has told you, O man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and again, this word is actually hesed, to love hesed, and to walk humbly with your God. If we were all doing this, what kind of a world would it be? If we were all living in such a way so that we walked humbly before God and loved loving kindness. That's another one that it's translated. Loving kindness, steadfast love. It's a word that has so much meaning. But the idea is if we're all living this way, what are we doing? We're sharing it with our neighbors. Everywhere we're going, we're talking about him. We're praying about him. Everything we're doing. E.M. Bounds actually said, the spirit of devotion, again, puts God in all things in creation. So because we know his love, because he loves us, we love everything. And because we love everything, everything we're doing is trying to say, hey, you got to know God's love. You got to know what he wants for you. You got to know what he's pleased with. And then here's another one. This is in Timothy. 
He says, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. <laughs> In other places, Paul specifies, pray for rulers, pray for this. But here he says, I want this to be done for everybody. His heart is for every single soul. There was a, a Christian, Denny Stain, he was talking about his vision and what he wanted to do, and people kept saying, oh, that vision's too big. And he's like, I'm sorry, but it's what I think God wants, and unless you show me evidence that God wants less than everyone, I'm going to assume he wants everyone. <laughs> okay? And I love that attitude, because that attitude says, is there a heart out there that doesn't know God? I'm praying for it. Is there a country that's living without God, living under Hinduism, Buddhism, all these other ones, and not knowing God? I'm going to pray for it. Is there something happening in my culture that isn't good? I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to pray for God's will to be done. I'm going to pray for God's love to touch every heart. This, this prayer, this line that I said three or four times now, He's saying, you're going to pray, you're going to pray all the time, you're going to pray for everyone, and you're going to pray till everything's perfect. Is everything perfect? Keep praying. And come to me. Come to me. This is not just a do it on your own. It's come to me. I'm doing this. Come to me, and we'll do it together. And we'll do it for everyone until everyone comes back. And uh, this particular passage, that's what I said it all lines up with that. Your kingdom come. What's the kingdom? Everybody knowing God. Everybody following God's laws. Everybody doing what God wants. Your will be done. I mean, this is still, I mean, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, God, can you take this cup from me? It's too much. And God says, sorry. It has to be done. So Jesus takes the cup. And his very words are, not my will, but yours be done. He submits to God. He says, what I'm facing is way too much. And think about it. Nobody's ever faced what he faced. Nobody ever will. And that's the amazing thing. No one else will ever have to face this. But Jesus faced turning, the turning away of God. Right? That's the, what the Bible talks about. At that point when all of the sin was laid on Jesus, God turned his face away. But the amazing thing is he did it so he wouldn't have to turn his face away from any of us or from anyone else in the universe. He turned away from Jesus so that he wouldn't have to turn away from us. And, and Jesus is saying, that's too much. But he bore it. And that's the attitude God is looking for. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now in heaven, Everyone, the angels, everyone who's there, if the dead are there immediately, everything is what God wants. Everything is at peace. Here on earth, not so much. So this little prayer says, keep going. Come to me, and we'll do this together until it's done. And if you have a goal that's less than that, I'm telling you, that's my goal. Don't shoot for something less. You can start small. But here's where we need to end up, everybody. And so I just want to pray now, because I believe this prayer, at least for me, like I said, I've said this prayer hundreds of times, maybe thousands. 
I grew up in a church where we prayed it every Sunday. I know the words, but when you start reading into it and you start realizing what's at stake, this is so much bigger. And so, God, I just pray for hearts that see the bigger, but don't get daunted by it because they know that you're in it, that you're saying, this is good. This is what I desire. Come to me, pray with me for the world, and let's see the world become a world of peace. Father, we just ask for peace, peace in our families, peace in our lives, peace in our country. Paul tells us to pray, Father, so that we can live a life of comfort. Pray for your leaders so that you don't have to face persecution and this and the other things. He's saying, pray for that. We should want that. We should want that for everyone. So, Father, we ask that for everyone and ask that in your power, you would move through your people. That you would draw them into your presence. That we would meet with you, hear what you're saying like Jesus and speak what we hear you saying, see what you're doing, and do what you're doing. We just thank you for this, and pray that your spirit would move in all of us, in Jesus' name. Before I step down, I did want to share in a pre-service prayer, there was a word that I believe God wants everyone to hear today. Has anyone ever gone to a chiropractor? Has it helped? Yeah. Does it hurt when you're doing it? <laughs> Sometimes. Even when it's done right, it's going to hurt a little. I feel like God is saying today, he is the chiropractor. He wants to align you today. He wants you to come and be in his presence and let him align you. And even if it's painful, know that the goal is health, wholeness. And I really feel like he wanted you to have that opportunity. I'm going to be available Ben will be available. Katie's going to be playing, so not available. <laughs> so if there is something that you are aware of that you really feel like you're out of alignment, God wants to take care of that today. And if you're not aware, but you just know there's something wrong, because I think all of us actually can tell there's something off, right? God's saying even that. If you don't know what it is, I do, and I want to fix it today. So during the songs... We're going to be available up front. If anyone feels led to come up, we'll pray for that. Thank you. Amen. So we're going to enter into response time now. And um, I do think that, that that word is important for us to hear. Right? That the Lord wants to align us to what? To his will to his kingdom. And so we're going to take a few minutes here in response to worship the Lord. And this is a chance and an opportunity for you to ask him, Lord, is there something that you want to align? Is there something that's out of place? Is there something that needs to be aligned to your will? So this isn't um, this. This is an opportunity. Uh, church is is not just um, about um, being passive. It's an act, um, and and that that this isn't forced. This this is just an opportunity to respond. So let's go ahead and um, spend a little bit of time asking the Lord what He wants to say to you about that.
Is there anything he wants to align in you?